Gay is a radio with your family. I am Rian and I am talking to the Tsegel, the Tsegel about her journey as a trans person. The Tsegel, how did your trans journey start? Um, very interesting actually. So last year I had the opportunity to go to America to complete my master's degree. And while I was there, everybody sort of assumed that I was transgender, you know. Um, that's it, they didn't assume that I was female, which is how I present. And I always take that as a compliment when people think that because that is the image I'm portraying. But for the longest time, those who um, didn't think I was female thought, okay, well, you're not, you might have not been born female, but you definitely, there's a female aura about you. So people thought I was transitioning already, and that made me sort of question myself a lot. Um, the other thing that came up from my travels was that, you know how they say, uh, character is what you do if you know no one would ever find out. And that's exactly what I did in America. I lived as a woman. I ate and breathed and acted and behaved as a woman. I wore dresses and high heels um, every single day. And, um, and that's because all also, I was far away from all the things that were hindering me back home, such as parents and societal pressure and expectations from family and tradition and culture and all these other things, um, all these badges and hats that I wear when I'm in the country, in, in my home country, um, they didn't apply when I was in America. And therefore, I was able to live my truth. And that truth was me living as a transgender woman or as a woman, as I sometimes would omit the trans part. But when I do my activism, I, I do like to make it known and I'm not offended by the term at all. So that's how my journey began. Well, or rather my um, self-discovery and also my acceptance because it wasn't also easy. And I mean, I've, I had met many trans women and I have some trans friends myself, but I never identified with them. I, I always used to say I respect them because of the, the, the mockery they go through every day and just the hate from everyone, including those in the LGBT community. Um, but I never identified as that. So I was also identifying first and then accepting it because I thought it was enough for me to just identify as gay, really gay. <laughs> but um, And there is a difference between being gay and being trans. Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, a gay man is a man who loves other men and still sees and um, knows himself as a man. I, on the other hand, was, and, I, and, and this is also something I've been reiterating recently, I wasn't born male. I was assigned male at birth. There's a difference. I was assigned male. So I, because I live in a society where when you're born, they look at what is between your legs and that determines the rest of your life. It'll determine what high schools you go to, what universities, what, what car you'll drive, what clothes you'll wear, where you vacate. That one little piece of anatomy determines your, and that is the mistake that I, I feel we need to address. And it's going to take years to undo that. But um, I was not born male. I was just assigned male at birth based on my anatomy. And that's fine. That's how society works. But, um, yeah, that's, that's just who I am right now. At what point in your life did you realize that you were different? Well, I've always identified as gay, you know, even before I realized there was a transgender woman. So I've always known that I was different from day one. I've never been in the closet. I, I'm always I'm fascinated by people's coming out stories. But I've always been a very overtly feminine young man. There's a picture of me, a three-year-old, when I was three years old. And I had nail polish. And I was flicking my, or I was looking as, the, as though I was flicking my hair. And I had no hair to flick, but it was just 
just my thing. I, there's a picture of mine in primary school also where it was one of those class pictures and I posed in an inappropriate manner. But the, the, the photographer never corrected me. So I still run into classmates who say, you ruined our grade four picture. You know, so, so I've never, I've, I've always known I was different and I've been fortunate also, um, that I, I lived in the, I was raised in a house where I knew I was different, but I wasn't less than, because that's another thing that a lot of gay people grow up with. You know that you're different and you're less than everybody else. And I never really had that battle um, until I got into the real world, where I started experiencing homophobia and the world was trying to remind me or instill in me that I was less than that. But I never usually, I never got that from home, but I've always known. During the period that you realized, okay, I'm not gay, I'm trans, what did you go through on an emotional and psychological level? So much doubt, so much self-questioning, so much research also, because I'm such a, I'm such an academic, so, um, much like you, I investigate. I, so I, I went and I, I, I asked people like yourself, because you have a psychology background, and I asked, you know, people in my sphere, my colleagues and those around me who have greater knowledge on these subjects. I watched YouTube videos and I spoke to other trans women and I just kept seeing more and more similarities between myself and the trans community than I did with the gay community. But it was hard. Listen, I won't lie. It was, it was hard. And also because, and this is going to sound so, so wrong, but also I felt like don't identify as trans because being trans is difficult. Being gay is difficult, but it's not, not as difficult. And also gays are a lot more, um, accepted in society there's a lot more gay representation from um cabinet to television i mean every soapy now has a gay storyline the trans community isn't even close to the progress that the gay rights movement have made you know so there was also a very selfish sort of part of me that said why would you want to identify with a losing team because you are on the right track stay gay don't change because um the gays are doing something right but I thought, you know, um, the gays were also at a point where they had to start fighting for their own rights. And that's why they are where they are today. And it's still a long road for the gays, but they have made progress. And I thought if I don't take the baton as a transgender woman and start fighting the fight that the gays fought, then the transgender community will always be where it is now. One person, one, one of the activists I respect said transgender rights are today where gay rights were 16 years ago. So there's, it's a long road that we have to fight so there was a lot of self-doubt when I discovered um there was a lot of um questioning myself making sure that I'm um, is this what I really want am I sure I'm watching the surgery itself the processes and seeing how painful and arduous it was but that even that didn't even deter me and that sort of um confirmed to me that this is what you are and this is what you have to do not even, not even this is what I want to do this is what I have to do and keep in mind that there are transgender women and men who don't feel the need to 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 transition physically and have the the reassignment surgery and that doesn't make them any less transgender but for me personally my journey this is something i have to do i want i need my body to to correspond with my with my my mental and physical and spiritual being and that's why i'm having the reassignment but it was hard and it still has its hard moments but it's worth it what were the most difficult things that you had to deal with um, on your journey so far? Um, number one, telling people. That was really hard. Really? Why? That was really hard. 
because there's some and funny enough i actually had a problem telling my gay friends because there's so much homophobia internalized homophobia and transphobia within the lgbt community and especially in the black community there's like i said the gays have really made a lot of progress a lot of black people now accept gay and lesbian women but they still don't understand the transgender um concept and in fact you, you hear us a lot where people will say something like um I understand gay men. I have no problem with gay men. It's these ones that want to be women that I don't get. You hear that a lot. I can say that in every language because I've heard it almost in every vernacular language in our country. So for me, telling people that I am this thing that you despise and you don't understand and you're not even interested in understanding because that's also a problem. People are just like, ah, you know, I'm I'm fine. I don't want to know. So telling people, and the thing is also, I didn't realize how telling, how hard telling people would be until I, until I started telling them. And then I would find myself also like getting very emotional and also their reactions. And I've had some pretty positive reactions, but speaking to a lot of transgender people, I've been told to expect some rejection as well. Um, so mentally I'm preparing for it. I haven't experienced it as much, but I anticipated especially once I go full in on the hormones and my transition becomes visible, like it's not even something I have to tell you, you'll start noticing it. Like, why are you growing boobs and you're gaining a bit of weight in certain places? Why is this happening? That they say I must mentally start preparing myself for that. Because some people don't just ask. They ask in an in a, in attack. You know, it's not just I'm asking because I want to know. They're asking because it's like, what's wrong with you? You know, so the what the most difficult thing so far has been telling people. The second difficulty I've experienced in my transitioning is just to get an appointment with a psychologist. Yo. Difficult. It's difficult. These people are busy. Their lives are always busy. And I think, and this is quite sad, one of the reasons is also because this is not a priority. I found out that the hospital that I'm trying to use, Steve Biko Hospital here in Pretoria, um, last year between October and January this year, they ran out of hormones. And they told the transgender people to either go through the private sector route where they pay for their hormones or come back when we have some more in stock. Sure. Yeah, you see, so there's so many, even in my research, there's so many things that I'm anticipating because I've heard that they've happened to other people and I hope they don't happen to me, but it's very likely that it might, you know, because one of the reasons why they ran out is because they don't consider this a necessary procedure. You won't, they say you won't die. It's not like chemo where they'll stop giving you chemo and your cancer will, will go back from remission. You know, they say this is, this is not something. So if they have to cut costs, reassignment surgery is almost one of the top three. Every time they go through a budget constraint, it's one of those where, where they, it's not really considered cosmetic, but they do cut it. It's one of the first to say, okay, let's stop funding these people for now. We'll call them again when the, when the funding situation. So um, the other challenge has been getting a doctor, but I finally have um, secured a doctor and he, and I understand why he is um, so busy. He's brilliant, you know, and he doesn't just deal with gender reassignment. He deals with everything mental um so everything you can think of um he deals with that so yeah um, that that was one of the the, the big cha- those were two of my greatest challenges actually telling people and getting an appointment with a with a doctor how did these challenges help or hurt you um they helped me because they it's very disheartening it's so easy to lose hope 
than to throw in the towel. And what they helped me in is that the 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 way they helped me in sort of solidifying my resolve because I am not backing down. And that sort of showed me how serious and, and, and confirmed again to me that this is what I need and want to do um, because of how all these obstacles have been frustrating. Yes. And I've said a few choice words <laughs> every time I get blocked, but um, not even a day later, a few hours later, I'm doing my mantra. I'm reminding myself that this is who and what I am. I'm reminding myself of why it is important. And I'm on the phone again, making a call, trying to get another appointment, you know, or if it's so, so the challenges have, if anything, they've helped remind me of how much I want and need this because they haven't made me back down because if I, because I'm always doing a self-introspection and had I backed down, I would have had to say to myself, then you didn't want this that badly. Like just be, just admit it to yourself. I'd force myself to admit it and say, if you back down because of ABC, then that really wasn't that important to you, now was it? And I haven't reached that point. So the challenges have been a reminder of how important and necessary this process is for me. Your darkest hour so far. Yo, oh my gosh. It's a very lonely life being a trans woman and I'm such an affectionate person and I, I'm such a lover and um I had just I remember I had just spoken to a transgender woman. I think it was like my third or fourth transgender woman that I spoke to and all of the women I had spoken to, um it's a very gloomy story they have to tell. You know, I I'm almost hell bent on changing the narrative and I want to be that one healthy, happy, thriving, successful, employed um, transgender woman, you know, so I reached a point when I had spoken to, I think it was the fourth transgender woman that I had spoken to on my own little personal research and I just got home and I bawled because these women, and, and I don't blame them for feeling that way, I'm not saying, you know, they just have this negative aura, but they are just retelling their truths and it's been such a sad story and they all speak of how dating is a mission and how no man wants to be with them except for those that fetishize them but those don't even want to date them all they want to do is to sleep with them because they are this intriguing creature that they do not understand you know so there's, there's a whole lot of objectifying which they feel they will not settle for which is good for them so they have found that the men they want don't want them and in and because they don't want to settle, they've chosen to be alone. But also, it's, you know, they're not just alone and out of choice. They are alone and they're miserable and they are hurting. And one thing also that I've learned from the women that I've interviewed and, or just asked around is that a lot of them thought the surgery would be a destination. But and it goes beyond that. And I love the name of your, your feature, um, Transgender Journeys. Because what I've learned from them is that it's not a destination. It is a stop in the journey, but the journey continues. And also to any transgender woman who'll be listening to this interview, I'd like them to know that the surgery isn't the answer to every problem you've ever had. It's those who believed that this surgery would be a miraculous cure that end up at the darkest, deepest. At some point, I even coined the phrase, um, I guess rock bottom even has a basement. There is something even lower than rock bottom because 
it is a lonely life. It is, well, that's the impression I got from the women I interviewed. And it's not just lonely, it's sad. And, and there are just so many, there was, I also got a, this sort of aura of like self-pity, which, and I'm not judging. And I, I just hope and pray that I don't end up there as well. But, I think already knowing that the surgery is not going to be the the wand that's going to miraculously cure all my problems, I think I'm in a better position than they are. And, and I have no delusions about the surgery and what it will bring me and the changes it will bring me. Don't you think that with the surgery, there's even more challenges presenting itself? Exactly. You know, um, it's almost, you are doing this thing you want to validate yourself to yourself and maybe to other people and then it becomes an even and it's almost like you you need to answer even more questions now than before one of them said um the best thing you can do after transitioning is move to a completely new place because she found that there were so many challenges with her having changed but living because that's what she said and i I found that so powerful she said i changed the world didn't and you're still trying to lead you your know, old life. So this is the difficult, uh, th- that's where the difficulties arise. Because now you expect the world to catch up with your change. And if, and she said that's actually not even fair on the world, but also just not fair on yourself to expect that the world is just going to catch up to you when you are ready and you've had your surgery and you're ready to change your name and your gender marker and have a new driver's license and ID book and passport and all of the legalities out of the way. And now you, and now you're like, ha, I'm done. I'm here. Hello. And then the world is still like, Hey John. And you're like, how many times must I tell you that I'm Janine? You know, and it's, and sometimes it's done on purpose maliciously. And sometimes it really is an innocent mistake from someone who still hasn't adjusted to your change. So yes, the change, the, um, the, the surgery doesn't bring about solutions. If anything, it brings about more problems. But if you know what you want and you know why you want this, that's why I think also maybe the psychology part of it is necessary. And, um, something I'd like to happen is, after you get diagnosed with gender dysphoria, to perhaps continue seeing your psychologist if he or she allows um, during your transition, during the hormones, and if you're lucky enough, even post post surgery, you know, even if it's just for six months to a year, because you've got to need the psychological help and the adjustment, and the the psychologists almost break down reality for you, reality that many of us maybe have not got a full grasp on, but we need to in order to survive and maneuver in a world that hates us and is comfortable with hating us and doesn't want to change in a world where even legislation defends hate, which some of us, which most of us live in. Have you had support in your journey? And you're talking about it's important to have that support structure. Have you had support? Yes. Yes, I have had support. Um, firstly, from the people here at work. Uh, who've been so great. Um, so when I told the people at work, it was, I didn't expect them to re- receive me the way they did. And um, it was, oh, and it was almost as if it was something they all knew all along. And they were just waiting for me to get onto that page. But they were far ahead on that book. You know, and I'm very privileged to work with a lot older people who 
are very mature, so they have the right level of sensitivity when dealing with these matters. And also just from a from an employment perspective, um, you know, uh, there they, they comes a time when your hormones just mess you up and you become sick and you react. And working for the organization that I work for um, has been so... Uh, it's uh, their level of understanding and acceptance has, um, and the fact that they know some of them even know more about this than me, and they already anticipate and they've said, if you need time off, let us know. If you're not fine, let us know. You know and that has been everything. <laughs> and um, and I've gotten some rejection as well. I was going from to people, ask you from people who I didn't expect to reject me, um, because they think being trans is a mental illness, and they think you're crazy, and they think you're delusional, and you know they think you you're just an attention-seeking person who, who you know you're just fame-hungry, or you're doing this because it's in fashion and everybody's trans now, you know, and you just well you know you're just looking for a piece of the limelight. And I've had some rejection, but their support, and, and in fact, the rejection has made me appreciate the support even more. And um, oh, and my sister, who's just been amazing, she's my everything, and she's even like getting her child to call me auntie and not uncle, and and um, and, you know, and even from my very religious mother, who still prays. That this is a phase, um, but she still prays that I'm safe and I'm a, I'm a happy, well-rounded individual. And she prays that um, you know that the decisions I make will only prosper me, and also that I will continue to be a contributing member of society and not just a stain on the mark of the world who who will just go into obscurity and be forgotten years after she's passed on. So I've gotten some incredible support, support without which I don't think I would have the confidence and the, the resilience that I have today. You know, sometimes just getting out of bed is an accomplishment on its own because it can be hard. It can be ugly. The world can be such an ugly place. People can be so ugly and the support is necessary even if it's from a family you create for yourself which a lot of us end up being forced to because the families we're born into reject us they they rebuke us we are uh, as a a stain, a mark of embarrassment and shame on the family and we're a disgrace to the family name and this is how they view us so, um, yes, definitely don't underestimate whatever support you can get. And once you do get it, hold on to it. And yeah, it's going to be a long and bumpy ride. And that support is going to be your airbag and your seatbelt. So, yeah. You were mentioning work. And for me, it's been an, an amazing journey and a privilege because I've been there with you for a while Day, yeah. and the fudge that I met in the beginning I never had doubts that you were a girl for me you were a girl <laughs> and it's like when you came out and you said I'm now, now I'm going to start and you said I'm going to do my transition I thought okay fuck what took you so long it's like mm-hmm. I think it, it just, people know and I knew and for me you were my sister 
And for the fact that you came out and you said, I'm ready to do this now, I think was just remarkable. And, and it was like, what's she on about? You know, it's just <laughs> not an issue. I thought she knew. Am I right? Yeah. You know what? And, and in fact, your reaction and just how casual you were about it was so natural. <laughs> it was so authentic. It wasn't fake. It wasn't forced. You were just like, Hello, you know, welcome to the party. We've all been at this party. And that was so, I, I tell people about it all the time, actually, when I, when I'm just I'm having conversations about my journey and so far and obstacles, etc. I tell people when I told you in the studio and you said, if you need to talk at any time of the day or night, you have my number. I'm here at studio. I am available. I am your friend and I have the professional backing as well. So from two different perspectives, but I am here and you I can't put it into words how important it is. And, and I, I, I count my privilege. I, I acknowledge that as my privilege. I feel like sometimes we forget how privileged we are and then we just make statements thinking everybody else is in a privileged position like us. And there are so many people who don't have a Rian who don't have a KSA radio. And I can only imagine the pain and 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 the guilt and and the self-loathing, Rian. And it's so unnecessary. And it's so unnecessary, you know? And I can say that because of my support structure. But, you know, like I said, I don't want to assume authority over other people's circumstances who are so much different to mine. You know, so I, I am, I am so blessed and I am so aware. I know, I know that not everybody operates in an atmosphere that is so full of, I mean, look at us this morning when we went, I mean, it was just one long trip of laughter after another. It was, and it's so, that, that's how we are. That's who and how we are. That's what we do all the time. You know, you, we are, so ourselves is disgusting. We don't even have a full time. No, we don't. We, we don't. We, we have verbal listeriosis. And we just say the first thing that comes to mind and no one is offended by anything. It's beautiful. And, and I'm so aware of my privilege and my, my blessings. And I, I, thank, I, I, I thank God for them every day. I really do. And, and I want transgender men and women to to have support and to know the importance of support and to know that it makes such a huge difference guys it really really does it 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 makes it it's the butter on the bread it makes the bread so much more edible it does so i think what makes you unique in this series is everybody that i've spoken to are like halfway or three quarters and nearly at the end of your journey and you are taking those baby steps. Yeah, I am in the beginning, very much in the beginning. I am seeing Dr. Krobler at the Steve Biko Hospital. For those of you who live in Pretoria, that is who I strongly recommend you make an appointment with. And he, like I said, he's a very busy man. But once it's the getting started also that I've found is the, is the, is the challenge. I've spoken to Glia, I've spoken to April, and they've all said to me, um, once you started, once you're in the system and you have a file and a file number and he has seen you two to three times, then the ball is rolling. Then it's a lot. It's one thing after another. It's like you spend all this time waiting and it's like just tedious. And then once it starts, once the ball drops, then it's like da, 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 you know. So um, I, I, um, 
uh, I'm still very much in the beginning and I'm still during that teething stage. But yeah, I can't wait for the ball to drop. That sounds so wrong because also it sounds like I'm literally referring to a scrotum. If, if we go back and, and, and you know what, and, and it's what I, as I said, what, what makes this very unique, this specific interview is from a personal level, I've been involved in some of this stuff. And that first decision that you took to decide you are going to have your gender reassigned, that was scary. Very, very. It was literally like jumping off a cliff and not knowing if there is water or a net or a beach of rocks, but you are jumping and come what may. You know, that was very scary. You came and you told me, and I think I still harassed you with numbers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. Oh, I'm actually getting a flashback. You went online immediately and you found out transgender um, uh, sort of support groups in Pretoria and who's in charge of the transgender division at Access Chapter 2 and, and there was just and every day did you speak to Veronica and then um, I'm, here's Glia and, and literally there was a there was a time when um, I could literally see, I would open my phone and I would see your face as a wallpaper saying did you talk to Glia did you talk to Glia did you and, and, and then eventually when I spoke to her I came to and I said I spoke to her and then it became what did she say what did she say I said no she said she'll get back to me what did she say what it was constant it was funny but it was it was necessary also I think I think also you know sometimes we hesitate you know because we realize the magnitude of this thing and you're like I'm making this big decision am I ready am I making a mistake you know so I mean we sort of uh take one step forward and then 10 10 steps backwards, you know, so you were the, you were literally like a door behind me, <laughs> refusing for me to take any step backwards. And I'm so appreciative for that. I'm so grateful. And on the journey now, where are you? Have you started your home hormone replacement um, yet? I'm still busy with the, with the, with the um, diagnosis part of it. Uh, what I'm happy about is this doctor says, uh, you know, he's, he's actually so good. Um, it, it's not the same for everyone because I asked him, uh, apparently you need to see me three times or do I need to see three different psychologists and he said no if I meet you and off, straight off the bat I feel that this is what and who you are I will diagnose you with that on the spot it, it's different for every woman and every man I, it, it, it isn't a uniform thing there isn't a formula where I need to see you for seven sessions if I feel on our third session that you don't have gender dysphoria I will not. I will. I will diagnose you and say I'm not putting you on hormones, and you can go get a second opinion elsewhere. But I. But he says so. He says it's a different process for everyone. Um. So I'm still in that process. But we've met, and um. He didn't even know I was born male, um. And um. I don't know if he had read what the appointment was for because it says gender reassignment consultation. But um. He just sort of said I'll see my next client now. So he sort of, he went out. And I sat down and, I, and, you know, he said, yes, ma'am. And I think maybe he was there. He thought I was there for some sort of counseling, for some trauma I had experienced. But he thought, I am this woman who is here for a consultation. And I said, no, actually, I'm here for that. And um, he was just like, wow. And he says, um, he even thought I was on some sort of black market hormones, which are very available and very dangerous. 
and I strongly advise against. But I also do understand the need for one to live their truth. And I know why people go to such extremes. But he thought perhaps I was even on that, um, on some sort of black market hormones because he was convinced by my appearance, my demeanor. And, and I have quite a deep voice, actually. I always, I always think, whenever I walk into a room, I always think, okay, they all think this is a girl until I speak. Yeah. And then I'm going to open my mouth. But he's like, no, I just thought you... You, you sound have, like a girl. Yeah, you know, because I, I think my voice is pretty deep. But he was just like, no, your voice didn't even give it away for me. So he... um uh, based on his reaction, I'm quite happy. I think we're going to make progress. I think I will not have to see him many times for, before he gives me the green light and then I can start um, taking my hormones. Plans for the future? Plans for the future. Oh, Rian, so many plans. So many plans. I, I, I plan to, to go national in terms of my career. Because that's also a problem that I've experienced in the transgender community. Unemployment is a huge problem, you know. And um, I plan to. I have my own organization for women um, in the rural areas that I that I plan to grow, and I and, and I hope it gets more funding and it becomes a big movement, and I can make the changes I want to make in people's lives. Um, I want to get married. I want to get married. I want to have children. I'm not sure if I'll be a good parent, though. It's such a fear of mine to have children and to damage them um, because I've seen the damage that parents can do to children. And I don't want to put any, um, you know, young, impressionable life in, 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 in harm's way and me being that harm. But I'd like to have a family. I'd like to get married. I'd like to make lots of money. I'd like to get my own talk show on a, on a, on a national television uh, channel and, and because I think I'm interesting and funny and smart and I have so much information to share and I think people will learn a lot from me and more importantly I want um, trans inclusion and trans representation it's so important for a young child to see what and who they are in places of authority because then it reminds them that they are valid their dreams are valid their goals are legitimate and that there is absolutely nothing wrong with them for young kids to see a transgender woman in parliament or a transgender newsreader on a national um, news channel or a transgender soccer player for for them to see us in high positions and doing well in those positions, not because we are in those positions out of pity, but also just rather because we are deserving and competent and able to perform the duties that um, are required of us. When we, when we occupy those seats of power and we are in the decision-making circle in society and, and young up-and-coming youth can see us occupying those seats, that is powerful and I want to occupy those seats and I want them to look at me and I want them to say, if she can do it, what's stopping me? What is, would you say is great about being transgendered? Um, <laughs> um, not much, <laughs> except that uh, we are real, we exist. It's not a choice. And the great thing about it, if you are it, is that perhaps... I don't want, this is going to sound so wrong because so many transgender men and women have different opinions on this, you know. Um, some people say, oh, it must have been, it must be really great to have experienced both sexes. You were born one sex and then you have the opportunity to, to be another. 
And I wouldn't say it was great because when you're in the one sex, the first sex, the wrong sex, for those of us who do choose to transition, because not everybody transitions physically. Some I just feel that self-identifying is enough and, and they are right to do so if that's how they feel. Um, but for those of us who undergo the, the physical transformation and the reassignment, people like to say, you know, it must be great for you to have, to have experienced both sexes. And I suppose to a certain extent, um, I mean, it's a rare experience as, as human beings to have experienced, um, both, um, sexes, both genders, I suppose, physically. The thing I always try to explain though is even when I was the one gender, the one I was diagnosed or assigned at birth i always felt and acted like the gender i always knew i was so even as a man i never fully owned it i never fully enjoyed it i never fully embraced it what would be great is if i lived as a man and loved it and then changed to become a woman and loved that and i could speak on both sides of the coin but i can't because even as a man even having a penis did not make me feel any more of a man. That's what a lot of people, I think, do not understand. However, I will have lived a life where I have, an experience, where I have experienced being physically male and female. And that's something noteworthy. That's not nothing, you know. And I suppose, you know, uh, 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 there are some fun things, I suppose, physically speaking, um, to having possessed a penis. Um, one of the great, well, she used to be what I considered one of the great authors until she made some derogatory statements about transgender women, and now she's dead to be a lady by the name of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who is a noted scholar and an author and a motivational speaker. But she said transgender women must not forget the advantages they enjoyed, the privileges they enjoyed when they were still men. And I thought, I don't know what she's talking about, because most of us were miserable when we lived as men, firstly. But the only advantage I can really think of is being standing, which is quite an advantage. It's the only thing I can think of as a benefit, especially in the winter. Um, and I don't have, and, but I sit down anyway. <laughs> but I sit down anyway, penis or not, you know. But of course... I do have the option of peeing standing if if it's an emergency and I really don't feel like taking off all my clothes and putting my big bum on a cold porcelain seat. You know, so that's the only, honestly, only advantage that I enjoyed as a man and, uh, well, as a f- physically male-identifying individual. Um, but, but, yes, I, I think that could be, that's the only physical advantage um, that uh, that I enjoyed. And aside from that, really, there there isn't any advantages to being trans if anything it's 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 a disadvantage because it's the only um orientation and i don't want to um uh speak on behalf of intersex people because that's something i have no knowledge and expertise over and that's a completely different experience and i don't want to trivialize it either but it's the only or no aside from intersex intersexuality it's the only orientation that can be physically operated upon and um and some people would say that's an advantage, but some would say shame. And I mean gay people just need to come out of the closet and they don't need to change anything, they don't need to go under the knife, they don't need a diagnosis from any psychologist. So I wouldn't say it's an advantage because it's a lot of work. You know, it's such it's so much admin being transgender and g- getting the whole complete package done. It's a lot of work, man. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> what you um are the best thing? That happened to you so far? Um, I'm happier. I am 
more comfortable. To those who've accepted me, I explain less because I do things now with people knowing why I'm doing them. And there isn't a shock value to it. It's just her being her and she's fine, you know. So the advantage for me has definitely been living my truth. And I always say if I die tomorrow, I'd be happy knowing that I got to live, even if it's just these few months or years, as the person I fully identify as, knowing and living your truth and being true to you is such a powerful thing to have and to own. And I own that now. I own my truth. No one can come and tell me otherwise. Or they can, but it doesn't demystify what I already know and believe about myself. And that has been the best thing. The feeling of knowing that I am living my truth and owning that truth and knowing that no one can take it from me. What is better than you could wish for? What is better? Better. If you look back at your journey from when you started and uh, before accepting yourself Mm -hmm. and you look at now... What right now is better than you could wish for ever at that point? Ooh, the sex. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't even um, transitioned, but now that I identify as a woman, I feel that, you know, my partners, if that sounds wrong, it sounds like I'm a prostitute, um, but my partners um, Do you have treat me different. Partners? Well, it sounds plural, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yeah, but my partner actually... Um, uh, treats me, or the men I, I encounter treat me a lot more different th- and, and they are so much more aware of, of, of me and, and my womanness and, and the way they, they treat me and the way they handle me. And there's a, there's a, there's an intimacy and a, and a gen, and a, and a sort of gentleness that I didn't experience with gay men who otherwise just saw me as another man, a feminine man, but a man nonetheless. You know, and and what else is better? Oh, and the shopping is better too. <laughs> the shopping is better. I'm quite. A, I mean, I'm, I'm overweight. <laughs> the photos are going on the website for all our listeners. <laughs> um, we're having a great photo shoot coming up soon, so they'll be able to put a face to the voice. But I'm quite a chunky girl. Um, but I'm still very like I I I have very small hands and feet. So finding shoes has been such a pleasure. And shopping for high heels is absolutely such a pleasure. And to, the thing is. Uh, you know, I'd buy heels and then I'd like hide them previously, you know. And now, and not now anymore. That I, don't, what? Never. I have heels strewn all over my car and my boot, my bedroom, my car. Listen, my carpet and my bedroom. Everywhere you go, you run into a pair of shoes of mine. And, and, and the shopping experience of shopping and not hiding. You know, and not having to guess. I can freely try on a pair of shoes in the middle of the, sh- the shop with a whole audience and I couldn't be bothered because that's the power that comes with it. And now, and that, and I mean, I know people might stare and gawk and judge and snicker and sneer, but I don't care. You know, I do it freely and openly because I'm living my truth. And that means no, no, no more hiding. And it's so freeing. Like hiding is so exhausting. It's so emotionally and physically exhausting, and 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 you and the constant lies and having to keep track of your lies is just a lot. Now I don't have to do that, and so definitely the shopping has, the the shopping experience has gotten better as well. And 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 it's so also you know, the energies that we emit, you know, because I feel like now that I identify as trans, um. 
No one even sort of questions me when I get to a shop and I say, do you have this shoe in a size six? And they just say, yes, ma'am, or let me go check for you at the back, you know, and, and they are more willing to embrace you because they see or they sense that you are so comfortable in yourself that they, you, they are comfortable to be around you as well and, and service you in whatever capacity you may need. So I have found that in my owning it, it also makes those around me a bit more, a lot more comfortable actually in addressing me and helping me and just dealing with me in their life. What has being trans taught you? It has taught me that the world is an ugly place. It has taught me that the world can also be a beautiful place. It has taught me patience because it's a long process. It has taught me kindness because so many of my trans brothers and sisters have experienced everything but kindness, which has forced me to be kind, even to everyone. I, I think of their experiences, and before I do or say something mean, I, I filter myself because I remind myself that the world is so mean already. It doesn't need me to be mean as well. So it's, it's taught me kind. It's taught me generosity as well, and and to be giving of my time, especially to members of the community and to causes within the community, to fight for causes and to remind people that trans lives matter. And um, it's also taught me to love myself. Actually, uh, I, I I I don't think I loved myself as much when I identified as gay, only because, um, like I said, when you're gay, and I mean, being gay is still difficult, but I got under the radar a lot easier than you do. There's a lot more scrutiny for the transgender women, you know, and because I realized that transgender rights and the transgender movement is so far behind, I've had to fiercely love myself intentionally. I do it with intention and purpose because I am more aware that the world I live in will not freely give me the love I need and deserve, or doesn't even think I deserve it. But maybe I don't. And because of that, I need to love myself. So it's taught me also, that I think that's the most important thing, that uh, my trans journey has taught me to love myself more fiercely and deeply and intentionally, and to be kind to others and to myself. How have you grown? Oh, my word. I have the wisdom of a 60-year-old woman now. <laughs> I um, have grown so much in the last... And, um, and I also just want to say I am, I'm still growing. And I am still going... And I'm still to learn so much. And I am willing to learn. I, I will not dare claim to know everything. I am, and, and, and when I get corrected... I, I may question it, but I question it so that I can know better, not to fight where the information is coming from. Because I, yeah, you, because I, I do come across as very sometimes. I think you've seen this in the meetings, a bit defiant. Um, but it is, I question from a from a from a, a a thirst to know perspective, not a because I already know better than you and you are wrong. Um, so I've, I've learned a lot um, and I'm still learning and I enjoy that I don't know everything actually and I enjoy that I am going to come across people who've been on this rodeo and they are still on the bull and, and I look up to those people and I look forward to climbing that bull and falling and getting back up on it again and 
and learning from those falls as well. But I have learned a lot. I, um, I, I keep saying there's a part of me that feels like I wish I knew this earlier in my life. But there's another part that says I had to know it now. Everything happens for a reason and the timing is divine. And I may not know it now, but later on I will understand why it happened. It had to happen now, just after turning 30. And what, cause, you know, I feel like, oh, had I, had I known this at 23, I'd be done with the process and I'd be such a happy, thriving woman. You know, and I feel like I would be so much further in my life. But also I feel like it's fine. It's fine that it happened now. And it's not clear to me why. But I believe as I grow and research and and find myself and as I learn from others and as I continue to teach as well, that which I've learned, I that that reason will be revealed to me and it will make so much sense at that time. So the learning continues. What advice would you give to other people who might be on a similar journey? Get the therapy. I want to say um, really question yourself, but some people don't know how to. So I feel like the therapy really does help in that regard. So get the therapy. And there's a part of me that actually doesn't even like the therapy part of this transition process because I feel like I know who I am. Why do I need some other person to come tell me? This is yet another obstacle that the heteronormative world have imposed upon transgender women. There's a part, there's, there's a little activist voice in me that says, this is a cause I must fight in the future. But I also do understand the value to why they need to, especially if you're going to do it the free way, the, 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 the government hospital way. If you're going to take, if you're going to be using government property and resources, they need to make sure that you are not going to four months down the line, change your mind and say, I want my penis back, you know. So I understand the value to why you have to be psychologically analyzed. Um, so that is my first uh, piece of of practical advice is make an appointment with a psychologist, have them assess you and diagnose you with with, with this and and take it from there. From a personal journey perspective, um, my 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 first piece of advice is is um, love yourself no matter what. Whether you think you're trans and then find out that you weren't, and then or find out that you are in any stage of your um, self diagnosing and in any stage of your questioning yourself, in any stage, in every stage, in fact, of your of your self discovery, love yourself. Love everything about yourself, even the parts of you that aren't pretty. In fact, maybe those are the parts that need the most loving. Love yourself. That is at least something you can do. I'm thinking of someone who perhaps lives in a rural area where they may not have access to a psychologist or, or you know, and again, that's another privilege of mine to be living in an urban area that is somewhere I'm surrounded by medical professionals within a three kilometer uh, radius. I think I have about 20 just sitting here at Gaysa Radio. There's already so many that I have access to. Whereas somebody in the, uh, the trans guy in Kudu or somebody who will be listening from Bangladesh uh, because we're an international radio station, and or someone who'll be listening from Accra in Ghana. Oh, dull. You know, You know, and they may not have the insurmountable wealth of knowledge and access to medical professionals that I enjoy. And for those people, I really do recommend that you make contact with one. In, while you are waiting, while you are planning, while you are plotting, love yourself. We, we get so caught up in the rat race of life, 
trying to make money, trying to get success, trying to be on the same par as our peers, to drive flashy cars and to live in certain addresses which symbolize success. And in all of those things that we do, we forget. It's so easy to get lost in it and to lose ourselves and to forget to love ourselves. And it's something that I, I forget too and I need and I and I forget and I'll and I'll see it in my health deteriorating or you know, I'll just see it and it'll surface in one way or another. Or I'll just start being very forgetful at work and like or slipping and I have to remind myself to love myself and I have to almost sit and and look in the mirror and and just to love myself and to say um, who are you again? You know, just, why, why are you doing this again? I ask myself these questions. And I don't always come up with the same answer, by the way. But the consistent thing is I've never changed my mind about wanting to do the, the surgery and wanting and being who I am and transitioning and living my truth. That I've never deviated from. Um, I'll have a variety of answers, but they'll always be around the same theme. So that's what I'd like to say to um, every transgender boy and girl, especially those who are still considering doing the surgery, see a professional. That is the first step. Help, help is available and it's free. And, you know, for somebody who lives far from an urban city, it might not be that free because you might have to spend a lot of money on transport. But if it means enough to you, you'll make a plan. Uh, what do they say? A Buddha make a plan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a saying. Farmer makes a plan. Yes, my, my grandfather used to love that saying. But, yeah, when you are determined and, and, and your resolve and it means that much to you, you will get it done. And see a professional and take it from there. I wish somebody had told me this years ago when Leo said, said it to me. It was like a, a light bulb moment. I, I, I saw angels and I just thought, why did nobody, why did I not know this? You know, but better late than never. Anything else that you want to talk about that I didn't ask? No, I think we covered everything, actually. We covered everything. And um, thank you, actually. You made me so comfortable. I, I was a bit skeptical because I was, ugh, I thought, is this going to be uncomfortable? But you were great. Thank you. <laughs> you were great. You were great. And I look forward to listening to this series. And um, I hope my story inspires others. And like I said, I am not perfect. I have so much to learn. I make mistakes. I fall, I cry, but I also get up and I, and I still have a lot of joyous moments and I laugh and, and I try to be a breath of fresh air in every space I occupy. I try to bring, to bring love and light. Yeah, it's already with your family. I'm Rion and uh, that was the lovely Ditsekhu Ditsekhu talking to us about her trance journey.